Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and today I am joined by none other than my two co-hosts, Chris and Kurt. How are you guys doing? Uh, hey. Good. How are you doing, Carlo? I'm Excited doing okay. to be on the podcast for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> returning guest. Yes. Returning champ. Well, Thank I mean, it, yes, yes, indeed. You are you are now the champ. Yeah. All right. Um, I was away it, for a bit because I had COVID. And yeah. It wasn't very good. My review is zero stars. Zero stars. <laughs> you, would, you would give it to zero stars if you could. Uh, yes. Actually, uh, to be fair, I would give it one star um, because it was nice to lie down for a while. <laughs> <laughs> have a good lie. <laughs> have a, have a good lie down. Yes. For, for however, agonies. however, yes, yeah. For my agonies, yeah. Uh, I will say that the the downside was that I, I was so. This is the part I wasn't considering. I was quarantining in a room with nothing fun to do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so you were in prison. I was in yes, I was in my mind prison. No, I I actually did watch um a bunch of movies that I had been meaning to watch or that I hadn't watched in a while. I watched a bunch just, of uh, Scorsese films. I'm in, just uh, imagining Kurt Kurt just sort of like Wiping his nose and get going into like closing his eyes to go into his mind palace. <laughs> yes, playing playing PS4 on the as, mind as, TV, as, Ro ro rotating it. Yes, as as uh, as uh, angelic choir music just plays softly. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this is of course a beer run. So gents. Um, I, I broke out a little bit uh, myself, so uh, I'm I'm drinking a little Southern Tier Two Xmas uh, mm. Spiced Double Ale. Mm. No, that not as that is not a double spiced ale. Just to be clear, mm. Chris, what you got? Uh, I, I have a Pizza Boy '80s Digital New England IPA. All right. Uh, yeah. How is it? Uh, it's, it's pretty good. They, it's a little, it's a little pixelated. Yeah. It, they, mm. they have their like pizza boy makes all these like different IPAs and they have all this different branding, but I, they all kind of same taste like the same IPA, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> which it's not, it's not necessarily bad, but it's, uh, um, but it's not like the best ever. Um, so I, I think I'm going to start branching out for, for my beer choices. <laughs> going to look for I, other franchises. Yeah. Chris, I went there probably 10 or 11 years ago, and I remember they had uh, an absurd uh, uh, like selection of, of beers, mm -hmm. um, and I cannot for the life of me remember any of them except for mm -hmm. one that was called Angel of Death that mm -hmm. was very bad. Mm. Um, but it was super cheap. It was like a, it was like twelve percent, and and they were like, yeah, this turned out wrong, so we're just gonna 
We're just going to sell it for real cheap. <laughs> um, I mostly do like their beers, but I feel like they've gotten, a, I feel like the mass production has, has mm-hmm. not been, been super kind to their, uh, to their quality. Like, I, I, they're still yeah. good, but they're not as interesting. Yes. I, I think that's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so I am drinking um, Carl the Great, Russian Imperial Stout, aged in Glenfiddich barrels. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to this beer. It is from Ooh. Broken Goblet. And this bottle is actually from 2015. So this is a, what's that, a seven-year-old seven nice. bottle of beer. Um, and this one, I remember, was brewed in honor of uh, my friend Mike Locke's uh, dad, who had passed away, um, I think from ALS, possibly. Um, and he he is the Carl uh, of of uh, of of note in the in the name of it, um, and it is aged quite nicely. Nice. Um, so so nice. uh, pouring pouring pour one out for uh, Carl Locke, uh, a cool dude, and uh, his son's pretty cool too, and makes a good beer. Mm. Wow. Well, you're here. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what do we want to talk about? Cause I mean, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about, um, do we want to talk a little bit about, uh, about what we've been reading? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other, other than, uh, finishing up <laughs> Citadel of the Autark. That's right. Uh, Coming soon. Coming soon to a Podside picnic podcast <laughs> near I- you. Well, you know, Carlo, um, you turned me on to a little author. Uh, I called by, by the name of John Scalzi, who I've been reading. Mm. <laughs> oh, that that guy! I hear he's yeah. indie. He's a yeah. He's a he's a he's a little known independent author, and I tell you, he's got a really uh, he's got a really unique style. It makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> um, no, uh, that that's a good topic for the episode that we'll be doing about um, about uh, his book. I, you know, that might even come out before this one. I'm not sure when you have this one scheduled to, uh, no, no, to come that, out, Carl. We're we're probably we're probably going to run that for for like the new year. Oh, okay, okay. So start this, off this start off with out. a bang. <laughs> <laughs> start out with a stinky turd. Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> not, not great, not great. But um, I've been reading that uh, to to my to my detriment. Um, I also uh, so I I had the opportunity to do like a like a user research interview with Patreon a few months back, hmm. uh, and they gave me like a two hundred dollar gift card for doing the interview, and I was like, cool, yeah. Um, and so I got it as an Amazon gift card, and I have been just like splurge buying like all of the weird like giant like hardcover you know author compendiums of like mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, new wave authors. I picked up a couple of uh, Moorcock collections, and then I got a giant collected uh, book of every Conan the Barbarian story that Robert Howard uh, wrote, which is which is a lot. It's like a twelve hundred page uh, hardcover yeah, books. Yeah, that that looks like one of those like family bibles that gets handed down through generations. <laughs> it, it is basically a family bible to Crom <laughs> <laughs> by Crom. Um. Have uh, by the way, you should probably, um, you know, I, I got, I got, I, I have to get back into it. I'm so bad at collections, uh, but mm. I bought the, um, I think it's and her smoke rose up forever, mm-hmm. uh, collection of uh, tip tree stories. Oh, yeah, Ooh. um, which I, you know, I, I would I've do another tip tree, yeah, 
I, yo, tip tree. I, I want, I want to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the, I think I had mentioned, I may have mentioned this in passing, like offline, uh, to you, to maybe you were there, Kurt, but, um, sh- the, the first story in the collection is like basically this, uh, this person that's on a space station who is trying to advise someone who's just come aboard, um, as like part of the staff or something like, like to that effect. And the entire premise is you got to watch out. You know, if you, if you have, if you have a partner, watch out because, you know, the aliens that are here, um, you know, people just, uh, human beings were just built that way. We get too horny Mm. for other species and, and then it's, it's ruined because they're too beautiful. (laughs) And it's like, what is going on in this story? Uh, it it was great though. I mean, it's one of those things where I was like thinking like, wow, I, you know, I've never really read a story quite like this where it's like Hmm. just very upfront about like the, the anxieties of sexuality and, and, and so on. So Mm -hmm. tip tree definitely, uh, likes writing about the anxieties of sexuality. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, I think she was basing it on, um, I believe it was the Cook Island uh, natives, you know, the indigenous people of Cook mm-hmm. Island or what, something to that effect, who, uh, you know, I guess with the, I, I'm not entirely sure, I didn't, I didn't do the research, but from what I could gather, um, basically, uh, you know, may have put their 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 culture in danger because of, you know, people coming in in boats and, you know, you sort of like, hey, look at that, I you know uh viva la difference or whatever mm-hmm. and you go and uh screw around with uh with one of the new guys that comes in on a boat so i don't know i'll have to look yeah that up. it's it's uh it was a complicated um yeah I, I mean it was definitely a complicated uh relationship um where they were definitely my my understanding is is that they were they had very different sexual mores uh mm. than you know the colonizers who had arrived um and you know everything was fine and dandy uh until you know cook's crew was like yeah these are our wives now and we're taking them with us and leaving mm. um and uh I, yeah so um oh okay fair enough okay yeah that that would probably uh that would probably just uh devastate a community wouldn't it <laughs> yes um anyway so uh that that was th- and that's just the first story in the collection i don't know how i feel about it because it, it wasn't like such it wasn't like a banger like uh you know love is a plan and the plan is death or whatever mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um but yeah less to think about hmm. i also got um a fred Sturd. is this wait hold on theodore sturgeon i'm sorry Oh. I, I always get these names mixed up sometimes. I was going to say Frederick Sturgeon and that no, I'm making up, I'm mixing up Frederick Pohl with Theodore Sturgeon. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Also, um, I read, I just recently, what, what Sturgeon did, what Sturgeon did you read? Um, I haven't, I haven't really cracked that collection. Again, oh, okay. I'm, I'm oh, collections. I see. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've, I've read, um, 
more human, more than human, or more human than human? I forget what it's called. Uh, the, uh, the Rob Zombies. That's <laughs> yeah, a good one. exactly. No, I think it's more human than human. And it's kind of like an X-Men type book. It's cool, though. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was fun. We read that. I read that for one sci- sci-fi class I took I, yeah, I took in college. Nice. Yeah, that was cool. That, that was cool professor. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Here, read, read cool shit. Yeah. Here you go. Yep. Uh, I, I ended up reading, um, house of the house of rust. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to, I completely forgot the name of the author. Um, that that's the, the book that won the, or the, the first Ursula K. Le Guin award. Mm. Interesting. And, um, okay. Kadia Abdullah, I'm going to say by Yabir is uh, the name of the author. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's set in Mombasa. Uh, it's very, um, I mean, first off, uh, she can write, (laughs) Mm -hmm. she can really, really write. There's like so many little turns of phrases. I was just sort of charmed and delighted every couple of pages because there was like just something that, you know, a a phrase or two that just sort of like leapt out at me that those, those types of phrases where you sit there and you either reread it a couple of times just to sort of savor it, mm-hmm. or you immediately pick up, you know, like your phone and go like, you got to check out this fucking quote Wow! <laughs> and you share it with somebody. All right. Well, this is immediately going on my to read list. It's I'll say this. Um, it has a very strange structure. Mm. Uh, and, and in, in all honesty, so it's a very sort of, um, I, I understand why it uh, sort of won the Le Guin Award, right? It, it does feel very much like, I don't know how to explain it, but maybe, it, Kurt, you've re- have you read um, like Earthsea or any of uh, Le Guin's, you know, like books? I actually haven't read any of Le Guin's novels, believe okay. it or not, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is a, is a, is a big uh it's a big gap in my knowledge. I just haven't, I honestly just haven't gotten around to it. I, I don't feel too bad. I, I, I've read like maybe two or three. So I and, mean, and, that's, that's and a fair number of, of novels. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and one of them is, and, and none of them is the dispossessed. So that probably is a, is a mark against me in certain circles. Um, what I was going to say is that um, Le Guin has like this, um, this sort of quality where, it's it's almost fairy tale like, where there's a certain level of detachment or, or I you know I don't know I, if it's ironic or not. It's just simply that detachment from the 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 like it's a, it's a distant third POV if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. that then sort of is soothing in a way that yes there's some stuff happening and it it's creepy or it's dangerous or what have you but in general you trust that everything is going to turn out all right hmm. which sounds like an odd thing um but it's it's a very like it feels like it feels like it's it's an odd thing for me to to uh say is complimentary but honestly it, it i don't know for this type of uh narrative it, it is very much like uh fabulous and it does feel a lot like a bunch of fairy tale elements hmm. uh thrown together hmm. but fairy tales that you might not have heard before 
And so, that's, um, that's always, a, I was going to say, that's always a really neat trick to, to pull off is when, when something feels genuine, it has that real tangibility of fairy tales or, or actual folklore. Um, there's a, there's a, um, I got, I, th- I think it's an Oscar Wilde, uh, short story. Uh, that's, I think it's, it's called like the giant in his garden or something like that. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it, it has, it, it has a very nice quality along that. And it's, it's kind of become my, my mental go-to when thinking about like verisimilitude in, you know, like fairy tales, it's got a really nice, we, very un Oscar Wilde, um, sort of, uh, quality to it. I'll have to look up the actual name, but, um, that's mm-hmm. the, it, 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 uh, just reminded me of that, but it's something I, I very much admire because it's a sort of like, I think that the style of fairy tales is very informative because it's kind of it kind of treats the reader both knowingly and a little bit at at arm's length and is like, well, I'm I, I'm going to talk around the the main question that you have, and not really tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and so so to the structure, it's it's weird because it's it starts off uh, as a as a sort of a rescue, like an. Mm-hmm. An odyssey to go rescue uh, the the main character's father has go, is a fisherman, and he hasn't returned. And then the um, the daughter uh, decides to go rescue him, and like it, that follows a very sort of predictable sort of fairy tale quest type of thing, where you know three challenges and so on and so forth. But then by the time by the time the middle of the book rolls around, she saved him and they're back home. So the rest of the book is her sort of um, like there were some sacrifices that needed to be made. And, uh, you know, the rest of the book is basically uh, she had didn't she had refused the call um, to to actually become, you know, sort of like a study in the house of rust, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, become like uh, some sort of a magician or a sorceress or something to that effect. Uh, and the rest of the book is her sort of like sort of initially regretting that decision, like go, getting back into the flow of regular life and finding it much too mundane. Hmm. And then, you know, by by the time the the, you know, the last part of the book is basically her sort of preparing herself to go seek out the house of rust and see if she can sort of get in anyway. This is a recent book. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a 2021 or something to that effect. Sounds cool. Let's check it out. Yeah. It's like, it's also like a rather short book. Like I think it's uh, 200, like less than 250 pages. Carl, you've already sold me. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I just found it like, very compelling all the way through. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, the Oscar Wilde uh, poem. Tech, I think technically it's a poem, but it's it's not not really written in verse. I was thinking it was called "The Selfish Giant" from the Happy Prince and Other Tales, uh, and it's charming. It's very charming. It gets a, it gets a little bit Jesusy at at the end. I'll I'll, I'll say it kind of comes out of left field, but but it is it, it is quite nice uh, and is a, a change of pace from what you're probably thinking of. Uh, an Oscar Wilde children's story to be like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have also been reading recently. Um, I, I I am wrapping up 
uh, a large essay on Lay Brackett, who I've mentioned mm. previously, fifties, uh, well, I should say forties through seventies uh, sci-fi author. Um, and I am, I read, uh, so she has this long running series about a, a kind of, a kind of John Carter of Mars type figure called Eric John Stark, um, who was born or he, he was raised on Venus by, uh, Venusians or is it? No, sorry. No, he was raised on Mercury by Mercurians, I guess. Um, Hmm. and, and then he kind of, uh, goes back to earth society and then he runs away and he travels around kind of helping the downtrodden and helping, the indigenous species of, of other planets f- fight back against human colonization. Um, so I read uh, Enchantress of Venus, um, mm-hmm. which we're probably going to read for, uh, for an episode at, at some point. And that was cool. That was like a very strange. Um, she started out as a, as like a hard boiled crime uh, writer. And it, this very much feels like if you took, kind of like Edgar Rice Burroughs and you you got him to write like a like a hard-boiled noir set <laughs> in like the John Carter universe. So it's very it's it's very strange. It's like hmm. tonally jarring, but I thought it was quite cool. And um and then I'm currently <laughs> reading uh, I think it's co- called Queen of the Martian Labyrinths, which is actually the the first Eric John Stark uh, novel, so I, I I have managed to read them in exactly reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But um, something that I've been admiring about her writing, speaking of like style, um, is because she's writing in that in a very like propulsive pulp mode. I noticed that she does this thing that I was talking about um, on on Discord, where it's it's almost like the first sentence of each of her paragraphs establishes the action for the paragraph. So it'll be like you know Stark burst into the dining hall, you know, and then the rest of the paragraph will be you know details about the dining hall, and then the beginning of the next paragraph will be you know he leveled his gaze at the burly Martian. You know, and and then the rest of the paragraph will be elaborating upon that. But it's almost as if you could um, read just the first sentence of each paragraph and you would know, you know, the basic outline of of the story, because each sentence, uh, each first sentence seems to establish the key action and everything else is just detail and elaboration. Um, So I've been trying to write a story using like consciously using that i don't actually know if that's how she wrote wrote the stories but i thought it would be an interesting experiment Hmm. um so i'm i'm working on uh, a sword and sorcery story using that that method um and it's 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 been kind of productive actually it's interesting it it really forces you to think about like what what the next essential action is and be like okay like this needs to happen and this needs to happen and this needs to happen while while also leaving you room to like elaborate and and you know describe and kind of get into the vibe of the story, so it's been an interesting exercise tied tied to my reading. Awesome, there you go, Chris. You got any uh, any reading or yeah? Uh, so I'm I'm about uh, halfway through Quentin Tarantino's Cinema Speculations, which is kind of like a random assortment of essays on film by Tarantino and like his, he has a very, um, his style definitely is like coming through on multiple occasions. <laughs> and uh, does every sentence end with, okay. Yeah. So like, well, I was so like, like, I was watching this movie. Okay. And then he, he, he does, he has this weird, uh, like, uh, you know, quirk that, 
um, he'll italicize character names and and actor names like it's it's very confusing <laughs> like <laughs> like um, a gossip columnist almost yeah exactly but he you know and for every you know for every like clunker uh pronouncement he makes which makes the rounds on twitter there's like five more just purely like on on the nose um on, like uh bullseye like you know on on the nose in the sense that he's like 100 correct like just beautiful takes uh, on like film and cinema and how and how you know it interacts with the public and like he also is bringing a lot of like autobiography uh, almost autobiograph uh like autobiography i can't can't talk tonight but he's he's almost doing like um a m- memoir type stuff because he's like talking about like when and where he saw these movies first he's talking a lot about his um growing up with his mom uh his single mother uh it's 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 really interesting he he, he's a much better writer um prose writer than you would imagine Hmm. yeah so Um, what are what are some of his uh his less hot takes uh so he uh thinks that the 80s were like a bad time for movies that's the big one um he thinks that uh borman's Point blank is not good, which is I think is an insane insane take. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have, it's it's been all. So I watched, I watched Point Blank and Bullet and a couple other films around that era mm-hmm. um, when I was in college, and I should really rewatch them because I wasn't I wasn't very taken with them, but I mm-hmm. think I was frankly just too film illiterate at the time to get it. Like, mm. I remember watching Bullet and being like, why is everything so slow in this movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's what you think when you're like 20. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, it, something I've found it, it, is that, like, you just really need to see a lot of movies, and then, like, once you get to a yeah. certain point like you are much better at like viewing the movie as uh, you know an object like not only of itself but like in conversation with other films and then also with like the cinematic language it's it's i don't know you get you get to a point where you're you get to be like you know the exploding mind emoji or a meme <laughs> yeah i i think i think part of it and you know i, I think this is relevant to uh, to reading too is like as you get older and you realize that yeah i i think a central realization about art is that almost every artistic decision is done for a reason mm-hmm. whether it works or not right mm-hmm. and so i think as you get older you get a little bit more understanding about hopefully you do about kind of like trying to appreciate what the like what the artist was trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and kind of finding joy even in stuff that doesn't fully work for you in the parts that you're like yeah this is you know this this really works for me like a- example i've been watching uh farewell my lovely with uh, robert mitchum mm. um a, a uh, raymond chandler philip marlowe uh adaptation yeah um i fucking hate mitchum as philip marlowe uh. he is he's he, he's doing a great performance i have to say it's it's a it's a great charming performance but he is exactly wrong for how I think uh, Marlowe is, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't think that Bogart was quite right for Marlowe either, but he's definitely a little bit closer. They're mm-hmm. both. I, you know what? I, I I have to say that's that's why the Robert Altman mm-hmm. um, I, long goodbye. Is I, still I, I thought that's where you're going. <laughs> yeah, he he captures something about about Mar, which which is funny because uh, uh, I, you know 
relevant to what I just said, Lay Brackett wrote the script for that. It's worth mm, oh, full um, circle. But yeah, a uh, little, little, little wraparound. But um, uh, there's something lackadaisical and clever about him that mm-hmm. that Mitchum just is, is he's Mitchum is much closer to like the dude. Mm, yeah, <laughs> than he is yes. to Philip yeah. Uh, but it is. Good. <laughs> oh my god! And, yeah. And and my point was originally like. Even though I'm not fully in love with it and it's different from what I was expecting, I totally get where the director was coming. I totally I'm I'm blanking on who the director is, but I I, I totally get where they are coming from. Mm-hmm. And so I can watch it and be like, oh, like I like this part and this part and this part, and I can focus on that and enjoy it as it is, instead of being like, This isn't exactly what I was what I was looking for. Yeah. Like I just came off of um watching uh devil in a blue dress mm, um by uh, i think carl friedkin i think franklin carl franklin franklin um, yeah yeah thank you um an absolutely killer mm-hmm. noir mm-hmm. and i was like i want another absolutely killer noir and this isn't quite it and i think if i was like in my 20s i'd be like i ah, fuck this movie and go on to the next one um and i think that that's something that you learn as you get older is to be like well, maybe maybe I'll give it a shot and see where it's going instead of being like, this isn't what I wanted. Fuck this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and moving on. Yeah. I, I think you just get better on taking stuff on its own terms. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Not me. But not John Scalzi. Sorry. Not me either. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it depends. Uh, I think... Um, like, uh, I, I, the, the, minute, the minute you were talking about uh, that... Uh, I, I was just thinking about me and Chris watching Hook and, mm. and sort of like really enjoying it and still finding a lot to like, mm-hmm. but at the same time going like, well, these are some flaws. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this doesn't okay. exactly work. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I know that I missed that episode, but <laughs> I did. I did watch it with my kids um, after, mm-hmm. or at least like three quarters of it. They kind of they were getting sleepy, but. Um, God damn, the beginning of that movie, although it's it's good, goes on for so long. Yeah, I cannot believe how long the opening of that movie. Well, that, I, I think yeah, yeah I, that's a good point. It is it is a great point, and but but I also think that to a certain extent, um, it really it really um, <laughs> it really biases you against the kids. It's like fuck those kids. Oh really? <laughs> Oh, like, I, I, like, I had like the opposite the, at the re- to, response. Well, Robert Williams is a fucking asshole. He sucks. He, he, he is, but also like there are a couple of scenes where, um, and this might simply be, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to, <laughs> I, I don't need to be super nice about this necessarily, but uh, I will say that there's a couple of scenes where the kids are, are, are obviously, you know, in the role of being little assholes to prove a point, right? Like they're getting on his nerves or whatever. And he is an asshole, but it's also like, you couldn't take that. You couldn't take that phone call. You couldn't send those kids Carlos out. Like the- I too have had my important billion dollar business deals interrupted by meddlesome children. <laughs> well, you know, fuck them. Kids. It's 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 it, you know th- these kids pulled up in a mystery van, you know the mystery machine or something, and they had a dog with them. And if it wasn't for those meddling kids, I would have been a billionaire. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like like um. I, I do agree, Kurt, though, that in 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 retrospect, like that first section is a little too much. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. He he's 
He's a bad dad. Yeah. His, yeah, his job is more important. <laughs> it spends like 30 minutes showing you just how bad of a dad he is mm-hmm. and like really driving home. And like, it probably would have taken like, you know, one, like, I, I think that missing his son's baseball game and sending his assistant to record it would have been sufficient. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to, not to redo the hook episode that, that I missed, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. The the definite uh, benefits of this is, in fact, none other than Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins. So, again, w- we don't need to redo the hook episode, but <clears throat> but uh, anyway. So, uh, are are we? Have we watched anything? I, I have. I mean, other than like after watching Andor, I have like just been too busy to watch much of anything <laughs> so if anyone's watched anything that's great I, let yeah me know. actually i do want to talk about something uh i over the kind of the, over the weekend i revisited the original three teenage mutant ninja turtle movies Ooh. oh okay yeah it, it, hit, it had been a long time and they were like the first two were definitely like staples that i've like rewatched a lot uh in my childhood um, I, I had like they were pretty much the only of like the other than the Ghostbusters, the other major like toy line I was really into as well. Um, so like they, they were like huge. And uh, shout out to to friend uh, Sean and past guests of parents just don't understand uh, f- for his wedding. I got him a shirt that in the font, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles font and says, I'm actually in my 30s. Uh, so Yeah. Anyway, the, so the first one, I got to tell you, it still holds up like it's. Um, it's a fun, like, you know, kind of like hero movie. The the suits are just fantastic. Like the Henson creatures effects are just still hold up. They're really, really good. Um, and it has just like a really darker tone than you were expecting because it's drawing more from the original comics than the cartoon at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, it really holds up. The second one is the one that like I remember the best. Uh, ninja, ninja, rap. Exactly, ninja, ninja, rap. But that one is like, yeah, post the cartoon blowing up to being one of the biggest things in the world, yeah. and so it like leans into that kind of aspect. Still, everything looks cool. Although, even though Super Shredder looks amazing, he like goes out like a punk. Uh, yeah, he doesn't even do anything. No, does he? He, he, just he gets, like gets he just gets like fucking blown up or something. Yeah. right? No, he 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 pushes out the the pillars on the pier and collapses it on himself. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one is terrible. So like three movies in, they're like, oh, it's time for time travel, and like so there's time travel involved. The feudal Japan and like that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, really and um, there's but like the biggest thing. I mean, other than like that's kind of it's just a lame story to do with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because like it's nothing that anybody else can't do. Like it's not a t- it's not a turtle story. You know what I mean? Um, but oh, the, see, I um, I can see it working, but well, I but know yeah, it's not mean. the way they do it. it they, they, yeah, yeah. It's not like a you know Yosabi Yojimbo. What's that called? The U- Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's nothing like that. Um. But I, the the biggest issue is apparently it's some um, between two and three. Like Henson declined to continue working on on the movies, so there's this new production house making all the ro- the suits, and they look so creepy 
that like you know that the image of going around where it's like all deteriorated <laughs> it's actually those suits like these later day suits and that's why they look like that's partly why they look so creepy and like the other thing they decided to give them like these like weird green spots everywhere like it's just i remember the green spots yeah, yeah. that was strange yeah very like, weird. Yes. So <laughs> Unnecessary it, realism. Exactly. In the movie yeah. About the turtles that love pizza. Yes. But like, <laughs> so the biggest fact that I like realize now, like rewatching these in my adulthood, is they were all produced by the by Golden Harvest, uh, the like the Hong Kong uh, studio most known for huh. like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like the biggest, like one of the biggest studios in Hong Kong, and. It's wild, like to think that that how on earth did they ever get the rights or anything like that? But, hmm. but like so, for example, and that's why the first movie is is good is because part of the stunt team, um, there's at least one of the the Yun, uh, uh clan there, like uh, Yun, mm-hmm. like it's uh, not it was, it's not Yun Biao, but like one of his brothers was there. Uh, yeah, so like it's 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 they're fascinating. It was it was a good revisit. Yeah, I I I have a I saw the the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I was in the Navy, so th- there's not much to do except you know, like go to see a movie. Yeah, <laughs> I saw a lot of bad movies. That's what I'm <laughs> going to say. This wasn't one of them. It was very like I think that um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies are, are, are lots of fun. I, I never saw the third one. Uh, I, I heard it was awful. And believed believe people what they told me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I still, I, you know, I, I still laugh uh, about Vanilla Ice being in the second one. But honestly, like that whole scene is not bad at all. It's no, it works. Of, it's it, like it's it's lots of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I mean, like the the whole thing is it's it's kind of like the corny teenage like you know bad ninja club right and so like like it fits like you know it's (laughs) at least like when i was a little kid it seemed you know it seemed scary to me it seemed Mm -hmm. like that's what cool teenagers would do yep yeah like like the the foot clan's headquarters was like a bunch of half pipes yes kids love love skateboarding right Uh, and video games uh yes oh dude (laughs) Dude, Nar- Nark is a Nark is a crazy game if you ever played it. Wait, which one is Nark? Nark on, is me... um, it's like super violent, right? That was like a lo- yes. Yeah, so it was it it, it not nominally you play two DEA agents whose job is to kill all the drug dealers. Um, and so you run around with machine guns and just gun down these guys in trench coats who, oh, who throw shit. syringes at you. Yes. <laughs> it's now, like a, oh, it's shit. Like I'd forgotten about this. version of like. Uh, like th- this was like, like a, yeah. a, a video game that was, uh, you know, like basically uh, funded by Dare or some shit like that. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I remember um, this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the game opens with um, you running a bunch of drug dealers down with your cool car. <laughs> and then you jump out and just start spraying <laughs> rockets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, see now, now, now I know which uh, what my next uh, long play YouTube video mm-hmm. is going to be. Mm-hmm. To put on in the background and watch, you know, like how I've been, I've been doing like as a, like a weird background thing is putting on like these video games that I played but never really got to the end of, and just like, oh, so how did this end? <laughs> so I, I did. Um, was it the two different D and D ones? Oh. With uh, S- Sabato Gigante. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, I, I told I told this story before. We played my friends and I played through the entirety of, of that one D D game where you fight the black dragon at the end uh-huh. and we didn't realize until we got to the black dragon that, <laughs> our, that it was in Spanish. That it was in Spanish and he starts <laughs> yelling in Spanish at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you even did a bit about this. Yeah, yeah. Where, where it's it, true. You did like it's true. Like, like uh, the 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 accent with uh, the th yeah, yeah. because he's the hombre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Han entrado al al calabozo del dragón. Te voy a joder, hombre. They're fun games, though. They're 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 very fun. It's and it's it's funny. Like even though it's not like there's something funny about that era of video games where like even though they would have very little to do with the actual thing that they were based on. They would have some deep cuts. Like, as I recall, like all the spells in that game are actual like D and D like player yep. handbook spells, for instance. And they're very yeah, careful. Like, like, this is cloud kill. This is, you know, magic missile. And yeah, that, that was, that was a lot of fun to see it sort of in an arcade, uh, action adventure game. I miss, uh, I miss those like four player. You know, everybody's crowd around the cabinet and fucking mash mm-hmm. the buttons as fast. Oh, yeah, so and, and much then fun. you you ended up like you know, if you were player one or player four, one of you was going to end up sort of like sideways, yes, <laughs> to yeah, the yeah. cabinet and be like, "Wait, hold on, guys!" <laughs> yeah, playing the level three elf. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, Kurt? Did you ever play the um the like uh, SSI D and D games? SSI D and D games. Strategic. Uh, what was SSI's? Uh, basically, they did like uh, Azure Bonds and uh, the Pool of Radiance. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, strategic simulation games. The Social Security. Uh- <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> SSI. Yep. Yep. You you could play to uh, you know uh, to going into a bureaucratic uh, office and see if you got your benefits. <laughs> it's, it's like D and D papers, please. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Character sheets, please. But sadder because it's SSI Scrolls, benefits. Please. Um. Go, no, go I ne- Scrolls, I never played please. those. Are are they good? Are they bad? Um, I mean, the, the, the graphics are, you know, all that you'd expect from like an early, you know, early to mid nineties, yes. uh, video games. So it's <laughs> lots of li- little, little sort of stick figure representations in the battlegrounds and whatnot. But I, I mean, I love those shits. Uh, it's just something about, it's the same, um, itch that something like uh, final fantasy tactics mm. scratched for me. Yeah. 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 Where you know it's it's like you start because it's so abstract the the graphics are so abstract you end up sort of uh, almost approaching it like it's a strategy game rather than yeah you know, and and really that that really goes into the the meat of what original D and D was like right it's it's basically a a miniatures game with some you know role playing elements thrown in mm-hmm. that you know n- now the role playing elements are are a little bit more front and center or at least marketed more, but really it's still like D and D is still a, still about miniatures. Oh dude, I'm glad you mentioned this. Okay. Okay. There's a take, there's a take that I want to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you all see the trailer for the new D and D movie that's coming out with Chris Pine? I, I saw the original one. I think. Yeah. I saw the yeah, poster. I haven't seen so if there's a new trailer, I haven't seen it. I'm just talking about the original one. Mm-hmm. Um so so Chris, for your benefit, it feels very like 
sub MCU MCU, mm. like very, mm-hmm. very quippy in that same kind of style. Mm-hmm. And also very, uh, very like cri- critical role influenced. Um, oh, Vox, Vox Machina. Vox oh, Machina. No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, um, uh, which, by the way, gentlemen, is I, I I believe is coming back in a week or two. If anyone were interested in we, revisiting we, our friends, we we can, we, <laughs> we can do an episode about it. I'm not going to be happy about it, no, but we can you. do an episode. No, thank um, you. I'll I you know what we can leave that one on the table and discuss it later. <laughs> I might be um, sick that night. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh, I see. Suddenly. <laughs> There's a yeah. There's a there's a 24 hour flu D and D flu going around. Um, so so I saw so I, I saw that trailer and I was like, this looks like ass. Um, <laughs> and somebody made made a post that they were saying why they were so excited uh, about it, which perfectly described to me why I thought it looked bad. And they said, finally, a D and D movie that actually captures what it's like to play D&D. And I was like, okay, let me stop you there. It's fun to play. It's horrible to hear you to hear people telling you about mm-hmm. playing. I don't I want to play the game. I don't want to hear about you playing the game. Yeah. Nor do I want to watch somebody else's game. Um and so me, for, for me, the, me going think, go ahead. me going to sleep and having a very nice dream yes. is very nice. You hearing me tell you about how awesome a dream I had, not so much. <laughs> well, you know what? It's even worse because dreams don't require backstory to understand. You can just be like, I was, <laughs> a, you know, I was trying, you know, I was in my, my first grade classroom and my feet were so giant and heavy that I couldn't stand up or something. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's wacky. I'm not interested in this anymore. Whereas like someone trying to explain a D&D campaign to you. Is is like okay? First of all, you need to understand that my friend Stephanie was playing an elf, and she was level seven, but we were all level twelve. And I'm like, okay, let me stop you right there. Shut you're, up. You're, you're, for for a second there, Kurt, I thought you meant like the in-game background. Oh no, <laughs> because then there's double. There's double backstory. There's there's the actual gaming group backstory, so you can understand the social context of playing. <laughs> and why this guy's an asshole to that other guy? Oh no! Oh no! That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's it's like it's like somebody trying to explain to you the plot of the fourth book in a series of novels you already don't want to read. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and so and so to me, that tweet is exactly why I do, I have no interest in any of this stuff because I'm like, yeah, if I want D and D, I'll play D and D, or. Uh, uh, maybe I'll read a fantasy thing that's set in the D and D world. I don't want to watch other people playing the game. That sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. So, Chris Pine's okay yeah. though. I, I I have to say that um, I I you know to to your to your point, Kurt. Like I I've tried giving like some of these play along like these uh, mm. is it play alongs or whatever they're called exactly? Or let's plays uh, or whatever. Yeah, like like the 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 RPG ones, right? Um. And honestly, I, I just like, I can't even get five minutes in. It's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. I struggle with I voice actors when they're not voice acting too. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like there's something where I'm like, you know what? I like voice actors when they're doing a character and voice acting, but something seems to happen when you take a voice actor and you have them like, like, like you know, like podcasting, but they're not, but they're not doing a character and they're still kind of talking in like a character voice, but they're acting like themselves. And I find it very off-putting and alienating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, oh my God. It's the, in a world guy. It's yeah. just like, 
I'd like a double whopper yeah. with cheese. <laughs> mm. I'd like to roll initiative to attack the <laughs> goblin. <laughs> Could you pass me the twenty, the d twenty? Anyway, so <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, that- I do have a film uh, mm-hmm. that I haven't watched yet. But I'm excited to watch. Mm. Um, so I I got the Criterion Channel recently. Um, this is it's, it's been a couple of months now. I originally got it specifically to watch all the Zatoichi films, and I've watched mm. seven or eight of them. They're good, mm. but um, they are a little bit repetitive. And so and so, like after a little bit, I was like, I need a break from from watching people be like, that guy's blind. He can't beat me with a sword. Oh no, he killed me with the sword. You know, which is which is the plot of every single Zatoichi film. Um. But let's see, uh, there, there was some stuff. Um, so I, I haven't finished watching it, but I was watching Wim Wenders Until the End of the World, mm. which is like a like a sci-fi, cyberpunk, kind of like post-Soviet sci-fi road trip movie. But it's also like the version on Criterion is like five hours long. So oh. I've watched two hours of it. It's, it's good. It's strange movie. Um, mm. Cool, though. So. Mm-hmm. Kurt, you could have you could have wa- you could have watched like uh, at the very least half of one of these D and D games. No, no one, one, <laughs> one, of the, one of the guys that's criticizing Andor uh, oh, yeah. on YouTube. You know? <laughs> oh, I also wanted to shout out that I watched um, David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. How is and, it? Oh, okay, and it's it's my movie of the year so far. Uh, it's fantastic. I don't want to talk about it too much because I think I was trying to push for an episode about it. So, oh, I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah. This, it's, yeah, let's do it. It's really good. It's, oh, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just, it, it's amazing. These like masters who are able to pull off these like late, like masterworks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, more on that cool. later. <laughs> oh, my, so my, my, O was, I remembered two things that I watched since the last time we, we did a beer run. Um, uh, I watched the film of the hidden, um, mm. on, which, was, oh, the, which was also the one with on uh, Kyle McLaughlin with Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and what a fucking great film that is. Holy <laughs> shit. I love that film. One of my, one of my new favorite sci-fi films. It almost feels like a, it's, it, the, it, it's funny to say this, but like watching it is like, I was most impressed by just, how much amazing car stunt driving there was like mm-hmm. just just it it looked like a what's that uh what's that john frankenheimer film uh, seconds is that what it is with the, gone in 60 seconds no 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 it's it's like a racing film from like the early 60s oh, oh, the mid gotcha. 60s no, 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 i think it's called seconds it. um but it, it's just like i'm just amazing just car driving stuff and, mm. um that was terrific and it goes in an uh, it goes in an unexpected direction i'll, I'll say um mm. Strongly recommend that. And then I also watched Wolfen, which I believe that you are familiar with, Carlo. Yes. Um, with uh, Albert Finney and uh, Gregory Hines, if yes. I'm not mistaken. It's a it's an interesting uh, werewolf um, mm. type film. It goes it, it goes some places. It goes some places. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we we had been discussing this, and I I I, I knew this, but I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know something else, which I'll, I'll mention in a second. So Wolfen was adapted from a Whitley Stryber book. Uh, and Whitley Stryber also wrote 
The Hunger. Mm. That's right. That's right. Yes. Oh, oh wow, man. really? And The yeah. Hunger is so good. And it's so funny because he like he was like well on his way to like becoming like a like sort of like a late seventies master of the quote supernatural you know or supernatural deconstruction thriller or something you know mm. uh, and then. I guess he had his little uh, his little run in with the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny to think of um it's it's funny how like something something like like the hunger or the wolfen could be considered like a deconstruction at the time. And like I totally see how it could be. Mm. But, but but like it, it's funny to watch it now and you're like, "Oh, this isn't a deconstruction of at, at all. This is something that would be deconstructed." Now, yeah. like, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, in the sense that it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like specifically in Wolfen, uh, I, I haven't read the book, but in the film, um, there, th- I always read it that they were, you know, this is just simply this used to be the turf of wolves. And just because you're a developer that's you know cleared out everything doesn't mean that they've given it up. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the subtext in the film is essential. Yeah, is, is is that it's it's definitely both literal like w- wolves as wolves, but it's also kind of like um, it, it also kind of feels like the persistence of the natural world even mm-hmm. in man made spaces. Yeah. And there's a, there's an interesting aspect to it where. Um, the, the, the film kind of posits that like, just as there is, you know, a natural element to the forest, there is a natural element to the city and that by raising large areas of the city, they're also disturbing, you know, the natural city, uh, in some way. And so it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting like conflation of like what, what natural, you know, means where, where, well, I mean, it it also, um, it also sort of gives the the natural world the benefit of the doubt that you know basically these these predators who used to run you know in in the forests way back when have somehow adapted to like this urban blight hmm. uh, and that's become their new sort of you know jungle or forest or what hmm. have you where they hunt but uh yeah it's good I, film. I, I surprisingly yeah, look, good i i would I, say I, for being called wolfen and being <laughs> right, about urban right. Werewolves, <laughs> right? Uh, with a with a, uh, a a a short performance by Edward James, almost in a a short um, and somewhat cringy um, performance by Edward James, almost as an indigenous man. Mm. <laughs> he does. He does. However, hang dong. He does. Um, he like does. Full, full full dong. Full fully on on view. Um, yep, it's true. And now I will finally get to the thing I originally wanted to talk about on this tangent, uh, which is the film I haven't seen, but I am excited to called Neptune Frost. Yes. Um, Okay. Yes. Saul Williams. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I was reminded of it because a certain other podcast was uh, shit talking it. And I I admit that. I don't think they knew anything about it. I think they just read the synopsis and were like, this sounds stupid. And, And the synopsis that they read did make it sound like a like a like an important Oscar bait film, mm-hmm. but my understanding of it and and from watching the I've watched the trailer, it looked like a 
like a, like an Afrofuturist cyberpunk musical, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and with tons of just completely wild uh, neon, like all over the place, and like old computer parts. And it's yeah. about like like rare earth mineral miners in uh, like Central Africa in mm-hmm. uh, Burundi, I think. Which I actually don't know if that's in Central Africa technically. So please don't cancel me if I'm wrong about that. No, um, but. But it looks cool as shit, and I am excited to watch that. And last I checked, it was on it was on Criterion. Oh, but cool. when I was looking it up just now, I did find two two dire omens. Um, <laughs> would you care to guess who who its two producers were? Uh oh. Oh no. I don't know. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. So, cl- close. One is Ezra Miller. Oh. <laughs> And the other one is Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> That's I'm in this mine. I'm in this mine all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in this mind all the time, but none of it's mine. Do you mind? <laughs> <laughs> Let's step back and take a selfie. Um. Anyway, yeah. Jesus Christ! No, no. No. <laughs> anyway, I, I am excited to watch it because it looks really cool. Um, yeah. The Criterion Channel actually has like a really good selection of like Afrofuturism and like black black sci-fi filmmakers, and it's it's got a really good, just like good curation of of a service. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. I just have so many things. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, Carlo. Like what? Uh, like <laughs> this podcast? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm also just like, I, I don't even know what, what to watch next. I have so many things. <sighs> so yeah, have either one of you uh, started or, or or watched any of the uh, the new interview with the vampire? No, I've heard it's very good though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like we 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 have to get back to it because we we started the first episode and that was really good. Also, very horny. Um, well, as uh, it should be, right? You don't as, say. Yeah, no, no. no, no. But see, that's the thing, Chris. These days, um, uh, yeah, like, it's not a guarantee. Way, no, you're right. Yeah, like like that's part of the the original text, and you're like, eh, I guess they're not going to do that. And he's like, No, they 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 sort of went there. Um, and so, uh, like, I just need to get back to it. I also, um. Uh, thankfully, like at a snail's pace, we finished the uh, the third season of Atlanta. I'm sorry, was it the third season? No, the fourth season, right? Is the last season, one thought, of Atlanta, right? Yeah, no, no, it's the fourth season. I believe uh-huh. is the last one. Um, and you know, like slowly but surely, we we finished it. So anyway, yeah, it, it like honestly, Atlanta is just very good. At times, it feels like an anthology show with the same characters. Hmm. I watched the first season. I loved it. And then I just didn't continue watching the second season. I should go back to it, though, because I, I was enjoying it a lot. It's very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, very, yeah it's, it's, funny. it's great. It's very funny. Yeah. It, that's the thing. It, it As you're like, it, it's one of these things that um, I think like the first time around, because it each episode ends up like veering wildly, like it'll start in one place and then by the end of the episode there's like well i I wouldn't have counted on like a wild rabid giraffe being in part (laughs) of the end of this this particular episode but here we are yeah um you know and and honestly like it's so sort of like 
shocking at times in that sense where it just keeps you off kilter all the time mm-hmm. that it's hard to appreciate the comedy until you rewatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you rewatch and you're like, oh, this is very funny. Like, like there's lots of stuff that's very funny. Although I will say um, the third season <laughs> has uh, like veers very strongly. There's at least two, if not three different episodes that are just like horror stories. They're cool. like straight up, like sort of like horror stories that are not, um, I wouldn't call them like, you know, like I'm sure that someone that's like a super, super horror buff would be like, eh, that's not really horror, but it is. It's just very sort of like, um, in the style of Atlanta, not, uh, not exactly. I don't know. It, it feels like literary horror, if you will. Mm-hmm. The most interesting thing to me about that show is how it manages to feel aware of the existence of online without feeling like an online show, mm, if you yes. know what I mean. Which is especially yep. interesting because, like, Donald Glover very much started out as, like, a super online comedian. Mm-hmm. And it feels like he's just – he's been able to just grow beyond it, but, like, still, like, still like remain in touch with that culturally – but it doesn't feel like a dis. It never feels like like discoursey, um, yeah. and, and which which I, I'm really impressed by, honestly, because I I like I I would never include social media in in anything that I wrote ever because I feel like I I I couldn't help but make it feel discoursey, and I I hate that because to mm-hmm. me it just dates something. And he, he in, in 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 like it like Atlanta felt like it actually captured something about social media and the way that it manifested like culturally without feeling like it was being like oh I'm gonna you know reference a bunch of Twitter stuff or whatever like it 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 actually felt like it got away from it actually felt like it like it captured something about about social media without being about social media. Mm-hmm. Well, I I feel like. Part of that is helped by just the the plain sort of almost surreal aspects of the show, right? Yeah, um, yeah. In because in part, like even this, because then the social media feels almost like an anchor back to reality rather than whatever the fuck is happening with the guy with the invisible car, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's such a weird. It it, it is. A, a a really good but very strange show. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, yeah, uh I guess we're 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 done, right? We're what, what, we, one we should final, probably wrap up. Yes. Yes, one final recommendation from me. Uh so apparently they've um on Disney Plus, if you happen to have it, they have put up the fully restored version of a Muppets Christmas Carol restoring a song that was originally cut from the original theatrical version. Um, but, and this is a big deal because this is the first time that it's like in full, like remastered HD. Uh, but I believe you have to like go to it and like find it in the extras it is like the full version. But I, Whoa. that's, that's, yeah, it's one of the best. It, it, every year we watch it with my daughter and like I've been, and it's just, just gets better every year. It is, it is a terrific film. Mm-hmm. I love that film. It's yeah. so good. Everything about it is perfect mm-hmm. to me. So I'm interested. Did, did you like the new song? Because I heard mixed. I heard mixed feelings about it, the song itself. So like anything to do with Scrooge and Bell is always my least favorite of any adaptation of. Uh, really? Like, yeah. I, I. I. 
the the love part in particular like we get it like we we could kind of take that as red like that's that's the part where i've always so it's yeah it's it it doesn't it's just interesting from a like a historical perspective um and any more like additional paul williams songs i'm i'll gladly mm-hmm. take i i have to say my I, it, it appealed to me if only because um the w- one of the young scrooge bits is is my favorite uh gimmick in the movie and that's where sam eagle is his uh is oh, his yeah. teacher and he goes yes. it is the brit it is the american way and then uh gonzo comes in and whispers him and he goes it is the british way <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> great <laughs> all right um so yeah i i, I um I think I, I'll I'll just leave this at uh, uh, leave it at that. Um, I I do want to get back to uh, playing some more of the of uh, the, the the bug game. Uh, oh, Hollow Knight! Hell yes! Yeah. I'm trying. Oh. I'm trying. Man, I'm trying. I'm trying. Are you stuck? Uh, no, no, I'm not oh. particularly stuck. It's just simply like getting used to the the different controls. I I think I came out of that. See, like it's interesting because you're coming out of it from a Dark Souls background, mm-hmm. and for me, that was really the first Dark Souls type game that I played, and I was much more familiar with like 2D platformers. So mm-hmm. for me, it was it was easier for me to pick that up than I think Dark Souls would have been, um, because like like I played Hollow Knight, and then I went right on and I played Blasphemous, and and I thought that Blasphemous was was in some ways easier uh, mm-hmm. than Hollow Knight, um, but I've heard from from a bunch of other people that like Hollow Knight was much harder for them to uh, to to get used to. I think it's a su- such a charming, good game, and like the 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 genre aspects are so understated. It's got almost like a I don't know. It's like Gormenghast plus Michael Moorcock with like little bugs, and they're cute. I don't know. And they go, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do love the fact that, uh, yeah, like, like none of the, au- like the, the, the audio for, for dialogue is, is it's like nonsense. Yeah. Words. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to assume they're nonsense words. Maybe, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I don't get canceled. And no, that's the traditional you know, language of, no. Of the bugs, yes, yes, <laughs> of the bugs, the indigenous bug nation. Um, but yeah, like, like I think, uh, to, I think it's just simply the the um, the amount of. Uh, it, it's hard to explain exactly because, like, I feel like to your point, like um, Dark Souls is is difficult. But it's a difficulty that is generally at a very slow pace um, in in the sense that once you realize that you don't need to mash buttons or, you know, whatever, uh, you get into a rhythm, right? And this just uh, yeah. has a faster rhythm to it for different things. And it's 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 requiring me to learn some new stuff. But then again, then again, I think um, the other day I, I picked up, uh, I, I fired up Sekiro to mm. just sort of run <laughs> the, the the gauntlet because um, one of the things that they did when they updated it or they they added a little bit more was that you can now um, 
do like a, a gauntlet of strength from one of the shrines and uh and just go through all the bosses which is great i love i love that that particular feature and i my my timing was so off <laughs> holy shit i was like i i i almost got like angry at myself it was like <laughs> i felt like posting the 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 thing that they do online but to myself you know you've not cheated you've you've done nothing but cheat yourself you know <laughs> it's like what the fuck uh well carlo you know in a couple just a couple months in theory um there's a there's a new hollow knight game coming out about um ha- have you gotten to uh to uh to hornet yet no not well hold on was yes i think that's the one with the the little girl bug right yes yes with the needle yes yep yes <laughs> uh, i i fought her the one time i haven't fought her uh i mean I, I i ran across her and then she um she vaulted across an open area like an area where it's nothing but uh acid yes <laughs> underneath and then i'm like sitting there going like well i i could conceivably i got i got like the the little wall jumping thing and i do have the dash but then i keep on fucking that section up and it's it's such a long journey from one of the same like one of the benches to that area that i end up like getting that's the thing right you end up getting like impatient and trying to sort of go too fast and you end up like fucking up your own health. Yes. And by the time you get somewhere, it's like, oh fuck, I gotta go back now. God one, damn it. Yeah, one one big difference between Hollow Knight and Dark Souls, or at, at least I, I haven't really played much Dark Souls, but a difference between Hollow Knight and Elden Ring is Elden Ring usually doesn't make you go through a bunch of stuff before you fight the boss. It usually is just like, here's the boss, you know. Whereas Hollow Knight will definitely be like, you have to go through four screens. Uh, and then you fight the boss. So mm-hmm. hopefully you didn't lose all your life by the time you get there. But anyway, <laughs> the new game is about uh, Hornet. So I'm excited cool. for it. And you get to play a girl bug now. Yeah, that's right, a girl bug. Yes. Finally. Excellent. Finally. Well, you know what it is. If they only hired more girl bugs, <laughs> there wouldn't be so much violence in Hollow. And, you know, what's the name? It's, uh, oh, it's Is remember. it Hollow Nest? Hello uh, Nest. Something, yeah, the, the, yes. Anyway, I think uh yeah, we're 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 all we're all done here. <laughs> we're plum tuckered out. As we're a, plum as tuckered say. out. Yes. Well, folks, um this is you know uh this will be coming out a little bit after the uh after Christmas, so uh, we hope you've had a a very pleasant Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we plan on doing the same, and uh, we'll catch you next time here on Podside.